0: unraveling the true crime mysteries that keep you up at night. at butcherbox.com slash morning cup and use code morning cup to choose your free for a year offer plus get $20 off your first order. Hey guys, so there was a little mistake made during editing and the episode planned for November 27th was accidentally posted on October 27th. We didn't notice it until it was too late to switch them out. But don't worry, you'll still get that October 27th episode. We are going to flip-flop them so you'll hear the October episode on November 27th. We are so sorry for the issue and hope that this makes up for it. We promise to be more careful in the future. Thank you for being understanding and enjoy the episode. There were two more murders 15 miles away. When police the arrived, they found the telephones and electricity lines. We have a weird homicide. A scene described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird... Morning. cup of murder parents will do anything to keep their children safe. On November 27th, 2000, a young boy became the victim of extreme violence in a country that his parents moved to in hopes of a better life for both he and his sister. So if you like your coffee hot, but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Damilola Olifimi Taylor was born on December 7th, 1989 in Lagos, Nigeria, to Richard and Gloria Taylor. Born into the Yoruba people, Dami Lola attended a Montessori school in Ketu and in August of 2000, traveled to the UK with his family in hopes of finding treatment for his sister's epilepsy. Settling in London and attending school, the 10-year-old boy had only been in the country for a handful of months before becoming the victim of one of the area's most high-profile murders. On November 27, 2000, at 4.51 p.m., Dami Lola started his walk from the Peckham Library in South London to his home and was seen by CCTV cameras smiling and skipping along the walkway. Within 15 minutes of his departure, someone suddenly ambushed the young boy, stabbed him in the leg with a piece of broken glass, severing an artery, and rushed off, leaving him to bleed out on a filthy stairwell. Within 30 minutes of collapsing to the ground, Dami Lola, just 10 days away from his 11th birthday, perished from the blood loss. The last people to see him alive, other than his attackers, were Star Wars actor John Boyega and his sister Grace, who were seen on surveillance footage walking with Dami Lola part of the way before splitting off. The three kids were good friends, and the Boyegas often helped to babysit him the family who moved to the country in hopes of a better life was delivered the absolutely devastating news and would have to wait a total of six years and three heartbreaking trials to finally see justice done. According to the police, the investigation from the very beginning was hindered by the, quote, wall of silence from the community, as well as the complete lack of experience in dealing with children in gangs. That's right, Dami Lola Taylor had, as far as they could figure, been a random target chosen by a gang of young people. The first trial to take place began in 2002 when four children, including two 16-year-old brothers, were walked into the Old Bailey and charged with the murder of Domi Lola Taylor. Unfortunately, it ended with two being acquitted by the judge after he ruled that the prosecution's key witness, a 14-year-old girl, was unreliable, while the jury found the other two not guilty. It was also during that trial that the defense presented an expert witness who testified that Damilola's injuries, while consistent with a stabbing, could also have been from him falling on a broken bottle while being attacked by the group. This was, of course, disputed by the prosecution, who argued that, in order for this theory to be correct, Damilola would have had to, quote, take off and fly through the air like Peter Pan. Backing the claim, a pathologist in the case maintained that the injury was caused by someone deliberately stabbing the young boy in the thigh while he laid on the ground. None of this, however, was enough to convince a jury and judge of their guilt. Back at square one, investigators continued to work the case, and while looking for new leads, ended up finding DNA evidence that implicated three new teenage suspects. Finding Dami Lola's blood on the shoes of Daniel Preedy and on the sweatshirt of his brother, Richard Preedy, just 12 and 13 years old at the time of the murder, investigators began re-examining the evidence that they did have and in 2005 had enough to arrest not just the Preedy brothers, now 16 and 17 years old, but also take 19-year-old Hassan Jihad into custody. Charging them all with manslaughter it was soon learned that the Preeties, though not named at the time due to their age, were both members of the youth Peckham boy street gang that had been terrorizing the area for quite some time. Daniel, who was rarely out of supervision or detention, should have been subject to a 24-hour curfew in a social services home at the time of the murder. And just four weeks after Lola died, he was placed under a supervision order again for assault with intent to rob, and two cases of racially aggravated assault. He later breached the order. His brother Ricky had a similar history of violence and was also supposed to be under supervision when the murder took place. On January 23, 2006, Hassan Jihad, now 21 years old, and the Preedy brothers, now 17 and 18, appeared in Old Bailey to face charges of manslaughter and assault. Alistair Wilson, the expert from the first trial who never even saw Dami Lola's body, testified again that the boy could have fallen on a shard of glass. And the jury, after retiring on March 29th, came back on April 3rd and cleared Hassan Jihad of all charges. Unable to reach a verdict when it came to the Pretty brothers, they were released pending a possible retrial. That day came on June 23rd and this time after a 33-day trial, both were convicted of manslaughter, and on October 9, 2006, they were sentenced to eight years in youth custody. Though justice seemed to have finally been served, the sentence did not please the Taylor family. Two years after the boys who killed her son were sentenced, Gloria Taylor died of a heart attack. The Pretty brothers were both set to be paroled in 2010 after serving just half of their sentences. And though Ricky was released in September of that year, his brother Daniel stayed until 2011. By March of 2011, Ricky had already broken the rules of his parole after being caught in Peckham and associating with a gang member. He was released for a second time in January of 2012, but was recalled again just 16 days later, breaking those same two rules. Richard Taylor, hearing about this, called for a public inquiry into the handling of his son's case. Ricky was released again in July of 2012, and in February of 2020, he was placed in jail after driving his car straight at a police officer and causing serious injury. He was imprisoned for four years for his offense. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon, or just sharing it with your true crime-obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe.